Um, today we are in the second week of our For the Joy series. We're journeying with Jesus towards Easter. And today's message is called Temple Trees and Traps. Um, and I really recommend you sign up for the devotions because we are going to, in the next 25 minutes, 24 minutes and 40 seconds, um, cover a chapter and a half of Matthew's Gospel that has got lots in it. So we're going to move fairly quickly. Um, but if you want to dig deeper, the devotions each day are the place to do that. So please, mkcc.org.uk forward slash devotions or devotional. There we go. And you'll be able to sign up there. I really, really, really recommend use it to journey to Easter. I've got this vague memory as a child of being, and it's so vague, it was either at my grandparents' house or a friend of the family's house, and they had this sideboard in their dining room, and they had loads of trinkets on it, and then in the middle, they had this fruit bowl, and I remember being in this house, and I can't quite remember where it was, but seeing this fruit bowl and seeing it look appealing and enticing, and as a boy, I went towards a fruit bowl and grabbed a piece of fruit, about to eat it, and then I realized it was fake. (laughs) It wasn't the real thing. It was masquerading as the real thing. Fake fruit. And over the course of the next chapter or so, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus kind of comes back to this theme time and time again, and he addresses a challenge to the Pharisees and the leaders and says, fake fruit. Is what you have real or is it masquerading as the real thing? We heard last week that people had gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. What were they celebrating? That God had delivered his people from captivity. He delivered them into the promised land. They were there to celebrate God but they missed an important part of the equation out. They were there to celebrate God, but they were missing God. We see this first in the temple, and Jesus goes into the temple one day, and it's a famous story in the Bible. He turns the tables. Matthew 21, verse 12 to 13. Jesus enters the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It's written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. The temple was a place of worship, but it was also a place where people bought and sold things. People would buy their sacrifices to make to God. It was a place of teaching, and it was a place of community. And Jesus goes in and sees anything but God there. And he says, you're making this place a den of robbers. It's supposed to be a house of prayer. Sometimes when we, I don't know about you, but when I've heard this scripture, the focus goes on to Jesus turning tables. And we go, was Jesus angry? Does that mean Jesus sinned? Or we go, should we sell things in church? Should we only pray? But I think the focus of this passage is, yeah, that's part of it. But really, Jesus is saying to the religious elite, even the worshippers, he's saying, fake fruit. You've got this appearance of religious grandeur. You've got this place of worship. You gather. You do the things that believers and leaders do. But why? You're here to celebrate that God has freed you. You're using that freedom to hoard for yourself. You're missing God in the middle of it. And Jesus cleanses the temple. He drives those people out. 
And then Matthew puts it in quite a beautiful way. It's almost like when all that noise has moved on, when the, t- the table has have been turned, when the sellers have been driven out, there's a hush. And this hush descends. And from the hush in the space, the blind and the lame come in. And Jesus heals them. And in the hush, you can hear the sound of children worshipping. And Jesus, it pleases his ear. You are portraying this image of fruit. But it's fake fruit. And then comes the response of the religious leaders. Verse 15. They were indignant. They saw healings in front of them. They heard children worshipping. And their response, they were indignant. It showed all over their face. Fake fruit seen at the temple. Fake fruit is also seen in the next bit of scripture at the fig tree. It's a rather odd turn of events. Jesus sees this, this tree that's full of leaves with no fruit. And he curses it. And as he curses it, it withers and dies away. All leaves, no fruit. The illusion of fruitfulness, but the reality of fruitlessness. It's another challenge to the religious leaders, the people of Israel, and maybe to us today. You've got this appearance of being devout, but you're actually devoid of faith. That you've got this outward appearance of fruit, but in reality, your religiosity is fruitless. This is challenging, isn't it? I don't know if you're squirming in your seats yet, but we've got more to come. You know, when we're challenged by something, whether by other people or by God, I think we've got a couple of responses. We either go, okay, I think, you're, I think you've got something here, God, or someone's challenged me, and you hear that challenge, you listen to it, and you go, I'm going to turn the other way. I'm going to repent. I'm going to change. I'm going to grow. I want to bear fruit. Or perhaps the more common human response is batten down the hatches, put up the defenses, I'm okay, I'm going to be, let's focus on what everyone else can't do. Let's deflect and defend and fight. When someone tells you you're doing something you shouldn't be. Is that, do you agree or is it only me? I used to watch a program uh, occasionally called The Sheriffs Are Coming. Anyone seen that high quality TV program? The Sheriffs Are Coming. And it's about high court enforcement officers. And so they had, they were like posh bailiffs. They had um, a writ from the high court, court to go and claim money or goods back for the person who had been wronged. So they go and knock on the door, and these two big guys at the door, and they say, we've come to collect. And the person on the other side of the door nearly always knows that they're in the wrong. And nearly always, what do they do? They fight. Well, it's not me. I didn't get any paperwork. And they fight and fight and fight. Why? Because someone's called them out and said, you're in the wrong here. We can either go, yeah, or we can fight. And this is exactly what the religious leaders do in the next part of Matthew's gospel. They come with their fight. And what do they try and do? They try and trap Jesus. We're already on traps. We've done temple trees and traps. Okay? They, are, they come and try and trap Jesus with a series of questions. First, he's faced with the the Pharisees, the chief priests and the elders. Then he's faced with the Herodians, 
Then come along the Sadducees, and then comes an expert of the law trying to trap Jesus. And for this next bit, I'm going to need your participation. Okay? So you're going to be the religious leaders. You're going to be the... um, You guys in the middle, you can be the Pharisees. Um, You guys can be the Herodians. Yep. And you guys, you've got the Sadducees. First, you. Maybe... Other ones go, boo. <laughs> Here we go. First, the Pharisees and the, <laughs> and the elders come to Jesus to try and trap him. And they say, by what authority do you speak? Verse 23, Jesus entered the temple courts. And whilst he was teaching, the chief priests, the elders and the people came to him. They said, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you this authority? This sounds to me like a parish council meeting that was made famous in lockdown. By what authority, Jackie Weaver? Who are you to come and tell us what to do? Who are you to turn the tables in our temple and ruin our income stream? Who are you to call us out for being fruitless? Who are you? By what authority? And you try and discredit, trap, and reject Jesus. And the reason I want to divide us up today is I want you to kind of live with that feeling of what it must have felt like when Jesus answers you. You've come to trap him. And he responds to you. And he deeply, deeply challenges. And stay with that. Try and think what they must have been thinking when they heard this for the first time. So you're Pharisees. And you're saying, as far as I see, yeah, got some dad jokes coming as well. As far as I see, you, Jesus, are a threat. And Jesus doesn't answer your question about authority. But instead, he takes the opportunity to speak to you. He's got an audience in front of him, and he teaches you three parables. The first is this, the parable of the two sons. He says to you, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. The son says, I will not, but later changed his mind and went. Then the father said to the other son the same thing. He said, I will, sir, but he didn't. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Pastor Billy in the devotions today unpacks this, and he used an example about children going to tidy their room. And this resonates with me because I have two sons. And one of those sons, when I ask him to tidy his room, he goes, no. And he fights, and he stands up, he batten down the hatches, and you think he'll never tidy his room. And then somehow, when you go stomping up the stairs to his room, expecting to find a mess, somehow he's tidied it. <laughs> then the other son is much more compliant. And when you say, tidy your room, he says, yeah, okay, I'll do my room. And you expect him to do it. And when you go up into his room, you find this mess everywhere, bed not made, clothes everywhere. The question to me, which one of the sons tidied their room? Of course, it's the first one. He may have not done it in the way you'd like him to do it. And Jesus drops the application. He says, you're the ones who say yes, but don't do anything. Fake fruit. But he doesn't leave you there. He says, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes 
are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Whoa. Religious leaders, you've given your life to God, to the temple. And he, this man has just told you that tax collectors and prostitutes are going to not just enter the kingdom, but they're going to enter the kingdom before you. How does that make you feel? Angry? Infuriating? How dare he? And all along, Matthew's there, writing his gospel. <laughs> and it's piqued his interest. Because what was Matthew? He was one of these tax collectors. Matthew chapter 9, he gets up from his previous way. He goes, okay, I hear that challenge. I'm going to leave what was, and I'm going to follow Jesus. And what's the promise to him? He will enter the kingdom. The, the condemnation of you guys is Matthew's commendation. You sat in the wrong place today because he really goes after you. Next parable, the parable of the evil farmers. Jesus tells this story. There's a landowner. He planted a vineyard and he gave that responsibility of the vineyard to some tenant farmers to look after the vineyard. And when it came to harvest time, the owner sent some servants to go and collect the harvest. But the tenants beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then instead, he sent his son to go and collect the harvest. And the tenant farmers didn't respect the son. Instead, they beat him, they rejected him, and they killed him. And Jesus leaves us and those listening with absolutely no doubt about who you are in the story. God owns the vineyard. It's supposed to bear the fruit of worship and obedience. He sent prophets to warn and to gather the fruit. Finally sent his, son, his only son, Jesus, the very person telling the parable to the religious leaders. The son has arrived. And what will the religious leaders do? Rebel, reject, and kill the son. The people who should have been waiting to welcome Messiah are the ones who now ridicule and reject. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And he goes on to say, therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Jesus is a stone that the build. They stood right. He stood right in front of you saying this. I'm the stone. The builders are rejecting it. And I am the chief cornerstone from which everything will hang and hold together. You feeling uncomfortable yet? Do you see what the Pharisees might have been thinking as Jesus goes after them? Well, he's not done yet. You guys, I'll come to you in a minute. The parable of the great feast. Jesus spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet. He sent his servant to, to those who had been invited to tell them to come, but they refused. You've guessed it. You're invited. You're invited to a great feast. You're God's chosen people. You were invited to the kingdom of heaven to party with God for eternity. But you refused to come. And so the king invites you again, and you refuse again. So what does he do, this king? He says, go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you will find. 
So the servants went to the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. What's Jesus saying here? God is king of his kingdom. Israel is invited to the feast. Jesus is Messiah, but you've rejected him. So the invitation is extended to all. The expected are absent and the unexpected are present. Okay, I'm going to leave you guys alone for a bit. Well, kind of. Because what you do next is you get your mates, the Herodians. And you say, you're kind of mates, you're kind of associated. And you say, hey, come on. And these guys come now. And you come and trap Jesus as well. You are similar to the Pharisees. But like they wanted to see the kingdom of David restored, you believe that the kingdom of Herod should be restored. That's what you want. The Herodians, you held political power and um, you favoured submitting to the Herods and therefore to Rome. So your opposition to Jesus stems from who he is. And because he rode in on a donkey... I'm here all day. You, you think he can't be a Herod. Mark told about the, the horse and the donkey last week. He's, he's not a Herod, so he can't be the one we're waiting for. He can't be my Messiah. And your question is also about authority, because you submit to Rome. So when you ask your question, you say, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar? You're trying to trip him up. Because you believe it's right, but you presume that he's going to say it's wrong. And if he says it's wrong, you've got grounds to trap him and to arrest him. It's a question about authority. And Jesus says to you, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. He says, look at that coin. It's got a face on it. Whose face is, whose, whose image does it bear? And you'd say, Caesar's. Well, give to Caesar what is his. And he looks at you and says, well, whose image do you bear? You are made in the image of God, so give back to God what is God's. If you bear his image, give it back. I'm going to move on quickly now. You got away with it lightly. The Sadducees. You're a bit different to these guys. You're sad, you see, because... Because you have a theological difference. You actually believe that there is no resurrection from the dead. So you differ from these guys, but you unite with them in order to reject and trap Jesus. And you ask a question that sounds a bit like one of those riddles that needs to be solved. Now, there were seven brothers among it. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to the second brother. The same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? <laughs> and I love Jesus' response to the religious leaders, to the elite, to those who knew. They'd read the scriptures. He says... Have you read the scriptures? (laughs) Of course we've read the scriptures. But what he's saying is, you've got it wrong. You've built this religion, this theology, 
on something that isn't central. You've changed what should be central. You've built everything around it. And it's causing you to miss the one who God has sent to save you. Lastly, an expert of the law. They get out the big guns. The best of the best comes to trap Jesus. And he says, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love others as yourself. According to Mark's gospel, just skipping around a little bit. This guy who'd come to trap Jesus listens and goes, oh, maybe he's got something here. And he answers Jesus and says, okay, I can see that that is the greatest commandment. And actually, I can see that it's more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices, religion. And Jesus says to him, Mark 12, you are not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, this expert gets that conviction and that challenge and goes, instead of fighting and trapping, even though that was his intention, he goes, maybe I've got this wrong. Maybe there there is something in this guy. And Jesus doesn't tar everyone with the same brush. But he sees in this person, he's not far from the kingdom of God. Because he's willing to say, maybe I've got it wrong. And sit with that challenge. As far as I see, he rode in in on a donkey. And it's sad you see that the very people that should have seen him were the ones who rejected and tried to trap him. I wanted you to feel uncomfortable today. Because I think we should sit with this challenge as well. Yes, it's challenging. Is your faith the real thing or is it masquerading as the real thing? But all along, even though it's challenging, Jesus is also saying something else. He's saying, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to challenge you, you need to hear this. But I'm here for you. I am here for you. Pharisees, in those parables, I came for the people of Israel. I'm here for you. In the parable of the the farmers, the son came. In the parable of the feast, you were invited. I'm here for you. To the Herodians, to the Sadducees, I'm here for you. Yes, it's challenging, but Jesus doesn't tar them all with the same brush. Because one, when one says, oh, maybe he is here for me, he goes, you're, you're not far. Yes, it's challenging for us today when we talk about, is our, is our faith fruitful or fruitless? Yes, it's challenging when we say, are we like the son who said yes, but then didn't? But Jesus says to you as well, I'm here for you. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Would you make him the cornerstone of your life? Jesus says, I'm here for you. Maybe you've never responded to him before. He says, I'm here for you, for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. 
and how will you respond? Will you take that challenge and batten down the hatches and fight and go, it's not me, I'm not that bad, look at them. Or will you go, okay, I submit myself to you, God. I trust that you are the saviour and the Messiah. And I want to live a fruitful life. Jesus says, I'm here for you. What's your response?